Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. And our verse for the month of December has been John 1.14. Let's say this together. And Christ became a human being and lived here on earth among us and was full of loving forgiveness and truth. And some of us have seen his glory, the glory of the only Son of the Heavenly Father. Now, we're going to stand in just a moment, and Patty's going to lead us in uh, some more Christmas hymns. You know, one of, the, one of the tragedies, I think, of the month of December is it goes by so quickly. And so often, we don't get to sing all of these Christmas hymns. So this morning, we decided, well, we'll sing them all, not all of them, but we'll sing as many as we can. So Patty's going to come and lead us in some more Christmas singing. And might I add how good y'all sounded? I don't know how that angelic choir that the shepherds heard sounded, but if they'd have heard y'all singing, they'd have went to Bethlehem too, okay? So let's come and sing some more. Let's stand and sing, Hark the Herald Angels Sing.
after Mike Brandon leads us in a prayer committing the tithes and offerings to the Lord, um, Gilda Lee is going to sing. Thank you, Patty, for leading. Thank you, Janet, for playing the piano. Thank you, Fran, for the soundboard. Thank you for coming. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Would you lead us, Mike? Amen. She's getting ready. I want to say, <clears throat> I wasn't expecting this many people. <laughs> yeah, Janet, not, we t- I talked to Janet. She said, it won't be many here probably. So you've outdone us. We, we were. <laughs> so it makes me that much more nervous. <laughs> and I think she is too because she said, I would have practiced. <laughs> so we would have both practiced more if we had known this. But listen, I'm glad you're here. Hope you get a blessing. Oh, holy night.
Thank you. Thank you, Gilda. Thank you again, Janet. And thank you guys again for coming. I, I didn't, not that it matters how many people are here. It is my responsibility to share the word of God with you. But um, one of our church folks came in and, and basically was asking how long I was going to preach. And I said, well, <laughs> you know, some people get overtime and um, probably two or three hours to make the big bucks and he said it doesn't take but about 30 minutes to fill his cup (laughs) 
Thank you, Bratcher Reagan. Not that I was going to tell him. <laughs> Look, I'll be honest. I, I thought, well, we're going to do a lot of singing. Lord, do you want us just to have a, a brief service? And, and I, I'll be honest with you. I do consult the Lord and um, what I'm supposed to share up here. And it might not seem like it, but I promise you I do. But I just want you to just kind of relax for a few minutes. Um, I, I know, and I can't wait to get back. And, and to be honest with you, I look forward to seeing my brother so much uh, this afternoon. So, But what a travesty it would be if we didn't give God some time to worship him. So, um, so let's pray together, okay? Father, thank you for the old, old story of Christmas and that it is about the Christ. It is about the king that came and became a man. And, Father, I pray that as we celebrate this day, Lord, these moments that we share here and as we read Scripture and hear some information about what was going on in this passage of scripture, I pray that it might turn our hearts more towards you and our thoughts today and God on our, in our day-to-day living. And God, I pray especially for those that might not yet have come to faith in Christ. God, I know that we are here to honor him and, and probably most folks here have made a decision, but God, perhaps there are those that have not yet made a decision. I just pray, Father, that You'll take um, the words of Scripture and the words of the message, and you'll speak to the hearts that don't yet know Jesus as not only a babe born in Bethlehem, but as the Son of God who gave himself that we might live eternally. Father, please speak through your word. Please speak through me, for I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. We began looking at this passage of Scripture two weeks ago. And let me read these 12 verses to you once again, okay? Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. And I hope that you do have your Bible and you'll open it to Matthew chapter 2. Matthew begins in verse 1, Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem. Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? Friend. Are you, uh, I'm sorry, no, that was, I'm not calling Fran out, I'm just, we're on verse 2, okay. (laughs) Fran Fran has heard me talk so much, and I'm not talking about on uh, on Sundays, Uh, you are reading the scripture, okay, all right. Yeah, <laughs> I believe you. Believe. Okay. Uh, verse 2, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet. Now, verse 6 is quoting Micah chapter 5, verse 2. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means the least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will govern my people. 
Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Jerusalem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. When they had heard the king, they went their way, and lo, the star that they had seen in the east went before them till it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold, and frankincense, and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. Please look at the cast of characters in these 12 verses and also a heavenly sign. And let me, and, and I know you picked up on this, but let me just point this out, okay? There is, there is a king named Herod. There are wise men from the east. There's a heavenly sign. And Matthew calls it his star. And then there's the chief priest and scribes of the people. And then, of course, the most important one, Jesus, the Son of God, the Christ, who is truly the King. Two weeks ago, as we were studying this, we came to understand that many Bible scholars think that the wise men came sometimes after Jesus' birth. And according to verse 16, Jesus is less than two years old. Mary, Joseph, and Jesus are still in Bethlehem. And God had not yet warned them to leave and go to Egypt in verses 13 to 16. And let me go ahead and read those verses, okay? And, and Fran, after I read those verses, I'm going to get you to go back to that cast of characters, Okay. Now, when they had departed, that is the wise men, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Rise, take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt and remain there till I tell you, for Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. And he rose and took the child and his mother by night and departed to Egypt and remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet, out of Egypt have I called my son. Then Herod, when he saw that he had been tricked by the wise men, was in a furious rage, and he sent and killed all the male children in Bethlehem and all that region who were two years old or under, according to the time which he had ascertained from the wise men. Folks, it's important for you and I to understand several things that Mary and Joseph and Jesus had stayed in Bethlehem. We don't know exactly the reason, except all of this was in God's timetable. And we know that they're no longer in a manger. They're in a house in verse 11. And Jesus is called a child in this passage of Scripture. And folks, again, I want you to get a full understanding of this event. Um, This is later than the birth story. But instead of being called the Greek word for newborn babe that Luke uses in chapter 2, verse 12, Matthew uses a word to describe a child. So again, within a two-year framework, this event happens. 
And let me go back to the characters. Let me introduce you to these characters, okay? First of all, who is Herod, who loved to be called Herod the Great, who had been empowered by the Romans to rule over the area of Judea? But folks, you and I need to understand something. Herod's kingship was political, not spiritual. And he reigned and ruled over Judea from 37 B.C. to 4 B.C., which means that Jesus was probably born sometimes between 6 and 5 B.C. And you might be saying, well, why is this important? Folks, just to hear the word of God. But Herod was hated by the Jews. They could not stand him. Herod was not a descendant of David, but of Esau. And this goes all the way back to Genesis. You remember we talked, we talked about how Jesus, to fulfill prophecy, had to be a son of not only Abraham, but also of David, that David's line would continue to be king over Israel, and one day God would send the king of all kings. Herod was a cruel an unjust man who permitted no one, not even his family, to interfere with his rule or prevent him from satisfying whatever he desired. He was such a ruthless murderer that he had one of his wives and her two brothers killed because he suspected them of treason. He was married at least nine times in order to fulfill his lust and strengthen his political ties. And so look at the picture of Herod in Matthew chapter 2. Because you see it says in verse 3, he is troubled. He is troubled when the wise men say, we have seen the star of the king of the Jews. Because he wanted to bear that title king of the Jews himself. Herod is proud and arrogant. There will be no competition to his kingship and to his throne, even if it is a child under two years of age. In verse 8, he proves he is a liar. He tells the wise men, when you find this king, come back and tell me that I may go and worship him too. And in verse 16, we find he is a hothead. When the wise men left and didn't, come back and report to him, he gets into a furious rage. This is what Matthew says. And in verse 16, he also is a murderer. He sent and killed all the male children in Bethlehem and in all that region that were two years old or under, according to the time in which he had ascertained from the wise men. Folks, Herod truly was an agent of Satan. He was proud and arrogant. He was a liar. He was a hothead. He was a murderer. And please see the difference between that king and the king that was born. Jesus is the son of God. He is the true king. Herod brought death. Jesus brings life. In the first character, Herod is afraid and jealous of this potential new king. And so he seeks to destroy that child that the wise men have come to worship. 
Well, let's go to the next characters, the wise men from the east. Who are they? And here's some possible explanations. Apparently, they are representatives of groups that have descended from Noah's sons, Shem, Ham, and Jephthah. They're Gentiles of high positions from a country northeast of Babylon. And the word translated wise men or magi was a reference to a group of scholars who studied the stars. And their title connects them with magic, but they're probably more like astrologers. And as somebody has written, their presence in the Bible does not is not an endorsement of astrology by God. But folks, here's what I want you to see. These men are Gentiles. They are seekers not only of wisdom, but they are seekers of God. And folks, listen, this message of the Christ, the Messiah being born, was not to be confined to the area of the Jews. And God was speaking to the entire world about this baby that had been born. And from the very beginning, Jesus came to be the Savior, not just of the Jews, but the Savior of the world. But God gave these wise men a special sign, a miraculous star that announced the birth of the king. And that star led them to Jerusalem where they spoke to Herod and then led them to Bethlehem. How many were there? Well, we don't know because the Bible doesn't say. But tradition has it that there were three because of the three gifts that are mentioned in verse 11, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And folks, again, there's so much tied into this. In the Old Testament, when the Christ would come, there were Old Testament prophecies how the wealth of other nations would be brought to the Messiah. It's praise to him. And folks, there are passages in Isaiah 66 and Zephariah 3 that speak of this. And folks, look, there's symbolism in these three gifts. The gold that is given to Jesus, it, it is symbolic of his deity and his purity. The frankincense, you remember in the Old Testament how the people would light incense as, a, as an offering, a, a, an offering of smell to God that they wanted their lives to be so full of good works for God that it would be like incense with a sweet and beautiful smell pleasing to God. And of course the myrrh, as you know, represented that he would die. Myrrh was used in embalming. But folks, I read something that really struck me. As the passage that we've read ended, Joseph had to take Mary and baby Jesus where to Egypt. How did they get by? How did they uh, take care of themselves? And one Bible scholar says that apparently these gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh, were what provided for his family while he was in Egypt. And you might say, well, what's the big deal about that? God always provides for those that are in service and being faithful to him. Apparently, these wise men were wealthy and they were scholarly scientists. They followed the light that God gave them. They followed the light to the child. And in verse 11, when they enter in, they fall down and worship this child. 
Now, folks, think about the contrast here. Herod is going to try and kill this child, and the wise men fall down and worship him. I know you've seen the sign, wise men still seek him. And if you and I are people of wisdom, we will seek the true king. And there's something else that is going on here. In verse 3, not only was Herod troubled by what these wise men were seeking, it says all Jerusalem was troubled too. Why is that added in? Speculation that maybe there had been a caravan that was traveling with these three wise men. Now, folks, let's be honest. If it came across the scanner that there was a group of traveling folks seeking a king, would we go and check them out? I'm just seeing if y'all are still with me, okay? All right. Look at the third part of this story, his star, his star. Fran, you don't have to go to this, but let me read Psalms 19.1. The heavens are telling the glory of God and the firmament proclaim his handiwork. God gave, okay, if you go back to the cast of characters, I'm sorry, Fran, I'm all over the place this morning. God gave these wise men a heavenly sign. Now think about this for just a second. Let me just share some things with you. I wish I was smart enough to have come up with this, but of course I read it in commentaries. The king has come. The savior, the Messiah, the one promised. And God is always seeking to reveal himself to mankind in many and various ways. And in this moment, God used a star to guide these men to Jesus. Let me ask you the question. What has God used to lead you to Jesus? God led these men to exactly where Jesus was. The star that they had seen in the east. And again, Matthew doesn't spell out all the details. Did this star lead them the entire way or did they see that star and they they were compelled that they would go to Jerusalem because they knew that that was the Jewish area? And it seemed the star that they'd seen in the east now reappears and in verse 9 leads them exactly to where the child was. Let me just share some stuff with you that that I'd never known until this past week that I think is, is pretty cool I'm not a young person, but I love that word. Pretty cool. What direction does the stars and planets travel? East to west, correct? All right. If they've come from northeast of Babylon, they've come from the west. Really? You know what I'm saying? Of of Bethlehem and Jerusalem. And this star has traveled what? This star has traveled from the west to the east. And then Bethlehem is about five miles south of Jerusalem. Therefore, the star now travels from the north to the south. And folks, I always thought that perhaps explaining the star was a conjunction of planets such as Jupiter and Saturn and Mars being in conjunction 
or some think it perhaps was a supernova or perhaps even a comet. But folks, do you remember in the Old Testament when God led the children of Israel out of Egypt, there was a pillar of fire and a cloud that led them for 40 years to the destination that God had from them for them. And in that day, leading those slaves out of Egypt, it was not a natural phenomena. It was an act of God. And I don't know if you've ever heard the expression, the Shekinah glory of God, that describes the greatness of God's glory that man cannot fathom and man cannot understand. God uses his glory to reveal himself and to lead people, and he did it to the slaves in Egypt. And I think this same glory of God is now leading these wise men to Christ. Folks, this is a God thing. Christmas is a God thing. The coming of Christ is a God thing. Remember in Luke chapter 2, verse 9, and I just give you that reference. It's not going to be over the overhead. You remember that as the shepherds are, are captured by the attention of the angels, it says, and an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with fear. Folks, those shepherds too saw the glory of God. And it led them to the Christ. Folks, God's glory has not diminished in the centuries. And if we'll seek God, we'll see his glory. And his glory will lead us to his son. Is that a big deal? I believe it is. And I believe it's a big deal to those wise men. God used that star Listen, if those men were astrologers, they put a lot of, uh, of, of faith in what happened in the stars. And God wants them to know who his son is. So what better way than showing his glory to them as if it were a star? But let me look at the fourth group here. The chief priest and the scribes of the people. Folks, these were the religious elites. They were supposedly the ones most dedicated to God, the ones most trained in Scripture. And you remember when Herod came to them and said, where does the the word of God say that the Christ will be born? They quote Micah 5.2. The Savior will be born. The Savior will come out of Bethlehem. But folks, here is the irony in all of this story. Bethlehem was only about five miles from Jerusalem. And they didn't go. The chief priests and the scribes did not take the five-mile trip to see if that was the Savior. The people in Jerusalem whom Matthew says was troubled too, they did not make the trip to Bethlehem to see if that was the Son of God. You know how far four or five miles is from here. This is a poor reference perhaps to you, but from here to Brooks and White Funeral Home is five miles. I've made that trip many times and you have too. That's five miles. Would you be willing to go five miles to meet the Savior? 
Folks, let me summarize this story. The wise men representing the Gentiles sought the king and found him. Herod opposed the king and sought to kill him. And the Jewish priest and the scribes who knew the scripture ignored the king. They could quote Micah 5 2, but did not obey it. They were five miles from the Son of God, from the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and they didn't even go to see him. But, folks, the most important one of all is Jesus, the Son of God. Why was he in Bethlehem? Because God had sent him. You know, as you you think of all the life of Jesus in many years, we don't have any information on him. But you see how how that those first two years were so difficult. The rejection is so real. The desire to remove him, to kill him is so real. That rejection, that denial, that effort to snub him out continues throughout the centuries in many shapes, ways, and forms. But to the ones that will seek him, he will be found. Folks, today, we need to praise him that we know who he is. And I want to encourage you that if you have opposed him or denied him or ignored him, that you would turn and come to the one born in human flesh to die for our sins and to give us eternal life. In church, we've got a story to tell, not only at Christmas, but throughout the year. Let us pray. Father, thank you for this passage of Scripture. Thank you that when men seek you, men, women, children seek you, you will be found. Because it is your nature to reveal your glory as well as your Son who is your glory. God, thank you that we know Jesus is our Savior that we know that that baby born in Bethlehem in that manger would eventually wind up on a cross on a hillside outside of Jerusalem. But we thank you that we also know that after he was buried on the third day, he rose again because he is the Messiah. He is the Christ. He is your son. He is the king of all kings and Lord of all lords. And God, I pray today that if there are those here that have not yet trusted Christ, that they too will come to know him as their Savior. Father, may we ever be faithful to proclaim the story of your Son. And may we live for him, may we share him. And Father, may there be great anticipation in our hearts, that one day we shall see him face to face. In his name we pray. Amen.
Our hymn of decision this morning is number 182, Go Tell It on the Mountain. We encourage you, even on this Christmas Day, that if you need to publicly confess your faith in Christ, that you would come. The altar's open, whatever God lays on your heart. Number 182, let us stand. Thank you. 